A dyslexic man walked into a bra. It's poppycock and lemon drops. If you're too fat for the bouncy house, this is the podcast for you. It's the shakedown. Hey, I'm too fat for the bouncy house. (laughs) This is the podcast for you. Yay! everybody and welcome what is this 30 welcome to episode 30, 30. yeah yeah big three zero of the, the biggest shakedown i am your host austin stevens and deciding to join me this week because usually the neither of them do this podcast are my cohorts cohorts the one that always does the <laughs> podcast your host dan schweizer and i'm not really paying attention and he's Dylan Webster. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not even paying attention enough to say his own name. Nope, I don't care. In the words of Jay Cutler, don't care. <laughs> That's fair. Jay Cutler, starting quarterback of the Miami Suckfins. Hey, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're they not bad. They lost to the Jets. Oh, Okay, they're not very good. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's a very fair point. You don't put that one on Cutler. That's on the defense. <sighs> yeah, Cutler didn't do very good either. I blame Jay Ajayi. Who? All right. Is he supposed to run them to victory? The other Jay. How do you say his name? Jay Ajayi. Okay, one of you say his name. Jay Ajayi. All right, cool. <laughs> we both said his name. <laughs> Do you guys remember when we had a band? Yeah, I remember when we, we had, had a band. band. We were just, the Plastic Mannequins. I was just thinking about that today. <laughs> every every once in a while, I will sing one of the songs. Nice. Um, I I often find myself singing um, the plastic the Plastic Mannequins theme. Well, we'll walk out these doors and we'll hold our heads high and as mothers and daughters and babies will cry. We won't run and hide. We've accepted our fate. When destiny calls, you don't want to show late. I love that line. We'll walk through these doors and step into the light. We've already prepared for the time of our lives. It was the fight of our lives. I can't remember all See? Yeah. See? We haven't sung it in like it's eight been like years. Four, four it years. has been a long time. I do love the when destiny calls, you don't want to show late. So Dan, it's congratulations so on that line. Thank you. I wrote such a good song. <laughs> I I still, I still love the. I still am mad we never performed that live because I, I wanted to go through it where like wait what what comes at, what comes next bridge wait what bridge the bridge wait, what part was the bridge. Uh, you know, it's the part where it goes dum 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 Yeah, but what were what were the words? What were the words? I don't know. I don't sing it. I just play the guitar. Screw it. Let's just go back to the verse. All right. Wait, wait. What part was the verse? Like the actual like back and forth was longer than the actual song. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's just screw it. End chord. Dude, fuck. All right, well... End chord when I picked random chords. Yep. Yes. Dan, uh, do you want to break the bad news? Uh, Dylan... Does your dick not work? We're kicking you off the podcast. Okay, cool. And Austin, 
We're kicking you off the podcast. All right. Well, in that case, Dan, we're we're kicking you off the podcast too. No, soul possession robbed from me. You hear that, everybody? Soup's in charge now. Oh God. Maybe we need to keep doing this just to prevent that from happening. No, but <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go on a hiatus, an indefinite hiatus. Wait, wait, wait. Does Soup know that we're doing this? No, he doesn't. Can, all right, let's text him and say, hey, do you want to be on the podcast next week? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can meet Austin in the Sequoias. <laughs> you can meet him on the ninth green at nine. That would actually be really funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we are going on an indefinite hiatus. It's just becoming too difficult with all of our different work schedules and different places. Busy I blame Dan for working. Yeah, and Dan has a has a kid now. Yeah. So wow, just put this on Malcolm. Gosh, I we're didn't. not putting it on you. I said it's several. It's not Malcolm's fault. You had sex. <sighs> Is it though? No, it's Malcolm's sperm's fault for being the fastest and the strongest. <laughs> but it's not his fault that you ejaculated him into his mother. Touche. Can I hold Malcolm and tell him that? No. The only thing I'm taking... He's not going to know. (laughs) The only thing I'm taking out of this conversation is don't have sex or it will end podcasts. No good can (laughs) have from coming sex with Dan. (laughs) I would know. Some good. No, no good. Good. Not from what I hear. (laughs) Dylan didn't catch that good. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway... Yeah, this is our last episode, and we're ending with 30 because... Because it was a nice, round, even number. Yeah, We're ending with not? 30 to celebrate 30 years since the final issue of the Watchmen series was released. Yes, Watchmen. Which was then compiled into the graphic novel, which most people agree is the greatest of graphic novels. Yes, except for Dylan, who hasn't read it. I have not. Except for Dylan, who says, what's a graphic novel? I know what a graphic novel is. Oh, bravo. It's a novel that is graphic. (laughs) In this case, yes, it is. (laughs) It's comics compiled into a book. It is. I'm not even going to say graphic novel. It is. It is my favorite book. Ooh. Like, if, if I could choose from any book... In the world, I would choose this book to read for the rest of my life. Man, if I anyone provided us with feedback, you might get some heat for that, but don't have to worry about that. I don't <laughs> His care. mom's going to be all pissed off. Why? I'm my mom hasn't written any books. Yeah, but she's pissed <laughs> that that's your favorite book. She doesn't even know what it is. She'll just say, exactly. oh, it's just one of those those youngins books that they're reading nowadays. <laughs> youngins books. I don't know. No, she probably will say that. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna open up with some discussion about Watchmen in all forms it has taken in the past thirty years. So I think it's only right to open with discussing the graphic novel as. It's it's where it all began. Great. So I have it here in front of me, so I will open. Ooh, I left mine upstairs. I will Way open the graphic novel. Uh, so it's written by Alan Moore, illustrated by Dave Gibbons, 
which Alan mm-hmm. Moore has also written other great graphic novels such as Batman the Killing Joke. So good. Uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Very uh, good. V for Vendetta. Awesome. Uh, he's done some good Superman stuff. Uh, but uh, and he's a lot a of his work. Comic writer. He yeah he really is. He's got a great mind and a lot of his stuff has been adapted. So Watchmen was adapted. V for Vendetta is a great movie. Very good. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was poorly, poorly, poorly adapted. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I've I have not read the comic, but I've heard it's pretty good. And mm. then uh, From Hell, it was a Johnny Depp movie about fifteen years ago. I didn't see it, but that was oh. one of his. And then most recently, The Killing Joke was made into an animated movie, Correct. which I saw. And the Killing Joke portion of it was pretty good. But the like yeah. the Batgirl prequel was pretty weird and not yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. But the Killing Joke is good. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Watchmen. It was uh, so thirty. So when was it? Eighty seven. Yeah, that's uh, October of eighty seven was when the final issue was released. Yeah. It was a it was a one year run. Twelve chapters. So it is amazing and it really like it really redefined comics because first of all there's it's really graph it's like really graphic mm, and just like its name suggests has cursing and nudity which i'm really surprised like they would have had to have released it like not as a normal comic yeah because it has nudity and sex and adult stuff in it that you wouldn't find in a normal comic book. Um, but yeah, and it's winner of the Hugo Award, which is a, a writing award, and it's also here on the cover. It says, one of Time Magazine's 100 Best Novels. Yeah, look at you, Time Magazine. I don't know if it still is, because this I bought this book. I guess it would have been like 10 years ago I bought it, so I don't know if it Oof. still is, because obviously the cover of a hard copy of a book does not update itself. Mm. But at the time... Not with that attitude. <laughs> at, the, at the time, it was one of Time Magazine's do, 100 though, Best right? Novels. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. buy a new textbook. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's a little background on it. Yeah. That's... That's fantastic knowledge. Uh... What I really enjoy about it is even though it was written <clears throat> in the late 80s, its its artwork is better than a lot of the comic artwork of the time. That is very true. It's I'm not going to say it's modern. Because it's modern artwork is a lot different than this is, but it's definitely... It's definitely not in the style of the 80s. Right, yeah. Like, it, like I've said, 80s, like late 80s and 90s comics, I'm not a huge fan of because of the art style that a lot of the, of the <clears throat> artists that drew them used. Yeah. It's just kind of... It looks kinda, 90s minus all the pouches. Yeah. And the weird... Yeah. The weird arms and legs. 
Yeah, it was like people just forgot how to draw limbs for a decade. It's kind of what it seems like, yeah. Yeah, so this is... It's just, it's a great story. It is. Like, it's hard to describe because there's so many layers and there's so much stuff to it. And it's not even, all of it's not even a comic book. Like, there's, is it the beginning or the end? At the end of every issue, there is about three or four pages of just text. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I think is great. So, like, one of the characters in the book, Hollis Mason the original Night Owl wrote a book. And so there's three chapters from his book, which talks about the old Minutemen and the ones that this story revolves around are the new Minutemen. So through his book, instead of just like stupid exposition within the story, you can actually just read his book and learn about the history, which I think is absolutely genius. Cause so you don't just have, you know, characters oh, just back in my day. Yeah, exactly. Just spouting off exposition. Right. And then there's like news articles and documents that <coughs> just give a bunch of backstory. Like here, this one is about how Dr. Manhattan came to be. Oh yeah. So it's a Which, lot. Dr. Manhattan feels like it was all right. How can we create someone that outdoes Superman, but in a compelling way? Yeah, he is an amazing character. And there's a lot of criticism of like, well, I don't need to see blue penis all the time. But <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you just like stop and get past the you're looking at a penis part of it, like it actually makes a lot of sense. Of yeah, like, if you look at the balls part of it. Yeah, if you look at the meat. You look of at it, his butthole. The, no, so he looks, sees. Got to square into the taint. Right. You just the you square it up slightly and green. Then look at. No. no, but no, seriously, like he sees things at an. He's no longer... Okay, sorry, go ahead. God, shut up. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so he's no longer, like, he's basically no longer human. He's just, and so right. he sees everything at an atomic <clears throat> level. And so, like, what's the point of clothes? Like, we're all just atoms assembled. And there's even, like, there's this point whenever all these reporters are, like, yelling questions at him about how he caused cancer in some people because right. he's, like, radioactive or something. He says, like, the... The, the a living body and a dead body have the same amount of cells, so why should I care whether someone yeah. dies or not? Yeah. And so, like, how... And we're also on the brink of World War Three, and so, like, we... Like, America needs Dr. Manhattan to protect them, you know, like, like Superman. Right, is, they are... Like, he is the nuclear deterrent. Yeah, and he's... And that's, like, I'll get to that later on, but, like, that's the great thing about Watchmen is, like, these characters are allegories for the current uh, superheroes going on. So, Mm -hmm. like, Dr. Manhattan is the Superman, and it's basically, like, okay, what if Superman, yes, had more power, but also didn't give a shit? Right. how do you get a man who has everything and can do everything to give a shit about people who don't? 
Right. And so that's, you know, it's super compelling. And then his relationship with uh, Sally, no, what's Sally's? No, name? Sally's her mom. Um, Lori. Well, yeah. And so his yeah, relationship Lori. with Lori and how, like, so his internal struggle. And there's a whole chapter comic of it that's just Dr. Manhattan's internal struggle going back through his life, trying to find his humanity. Mm-hmm. So it's super compelling of, you know, what if, what if <clears throat> Superman didn't have humanity? What if he wasn't that farm boy from Kansas? Right. Boy Scout. What if he was a cold hearted uh, guy? Like, do you still care about him? Is he still a compa- compelling character? Mm-hmm. And it's great. Cause I like, all these characters are great. So like the, so yeah, he's Superman. And then Batman is basically split up into night owl and Rorschach, yeah. which night owl for obvious reasons of the gadgets and the money and the suit. Um, <laughs> right. And Rorschach for the detective and the brutal and the voice. Right. Um, yeah, so you don't get that from the comics. No, not from the comic. Like you kind of do, but it's more so. It more so comes into play in the movie. But yeah, yeah, it's like the, Batman's a great character because he has that struggle of he just wants to kick the living shit out of everybody, but he can't because he still needs to be a good guy. Right. Where, and so then in Watchmen, you take those two conflicting sides, and instead of being in an internal struggle it's an external struggle between two characters of night owl, who is the righteous, uh, do good because it's good character and Rorschach of who is the deliver justice to the, those that are deserving justice. Right. Yeah. And he had the, he had the terrible childhood and he hates crime and he wants revenge where night owl, does it because he looked up to these original Minutemen. Right. Um, and so that's the, that's the Batman allegory of splitting it up. And so like, that's the great part about Watchmen is that it's not just a great comic, but it's also a great deconstruction of the superhero genre at the time. Yeah. And I really Mm -hmm. like that. Um, so, so I talked a uh, lot, so you go ahead. No, it's, it's good. You've, you've read the comic probably more times than me. And I know that you've skimmed through it recently. So, yeah, I think I've read um, it through three times. Well, you've got two on me then. Um, I think, do you want to just go ahead and start breaking down the, the movie and like the good and the bad and the ugly of it. Yeah. All right. So, um, if you haven't seen the movie, you're probably just not going to at this point, be honest with yourself. So we're not going to, we're not going to say spoilers because this came out in like 2009. Yep. Yeah. It was in 2009. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I think I think that when it initially came out there was a lot of outrage because of things that they did change from yeah. the source material. 
But if you rewatch it, there's a lot that they didn't change. Yes. A, like, a lot of the dialogue is exactly what it is in the comics. Yeah, and, um, and that's why I'm really torn on the movie. Right. Like, when, when it first came out, I was like, meh, they changed things, I'm angry about it. But watching it again, like, last week, I was like, you know what, this, this isn't that bad of a movie, actually. Yeah, it's, I think as a movie... Well, see, the problem is they Watchmen has for forever been said that it is unadaptable. Like it right. has to be a comic because of the layers and the everything that's in it. Uh-huh. And so the movie, I think, did a very respectable job of adapting the comic. And I, I think as a standalone movie, not an adaptation it's not very good because they, you either have to include everything and it's 10 hours or you do the absolute basic story. And I think they, I think they went about it as the basic story, but then they included too much of the back, the, the side stories and stuff. There's too mm-hmm. much B story. There's like B stories and C stories and yeah, M stories. Like, I'd, I'd say that one of the things that weakens it is how much we get of the, like there's a lot about everyone's like relationship to the comedian. Yeah. And that weakens the movie because there's just too much going back and being like, Oh, and this is, this is when night owl fought alongside the comedian. And this is when Dr. Manhattan fought alongside the comedian. This is when Rorschach fought. And this is when Silk Spectre fought. And it's just like, bro, move the story forward. Stop going back and relating me to him. Yeah. And that works as a comic, but that's because it's a comic. Right, and and there's enough else going on in the comic. And it's like you said, if they were to include all of that, it'd be a 10-hour movie. Yeah. But um, I think the casting is really, really good. Yes. And I think the opening scene is one of the best superhero film opening scenes it is quite amazing it's it's very compelling and it lets you know from the beginning what genre you're watching because if you went in having no idea what watchmen was about no idea what the genre was or anything you would be able to pick it up from the first scene yeah. Because regular men don't pick up and throw regular men around. That's very true. Yeah, it is. It's incredibly stylized. Yes. And over the top. And so, yeah, at, so let's look at it. At, okay, as a, as a standalone movie, it doesn't work. There's, because there's just too much going on that a normal... Well, let's just ask Dylan. Dylan, could you follow the movie? 
Not entirely. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> did you uh, did you like? Let's get okay before we go into how it's an adaptation, Dylan. Let's get your opinion, having only seen it twice now. Oh yeah, only twice. Yeah, so having seen it twice, the first time way back when, whenever saw, you're just a I wee s- lad. I saw it opening weekend. Uh, I was a freshman in college, and I had a guy on my floor that also read the graphic novel, so he was really excited. And he wanted to go see it. So a group of us went and watched it, and I just remember leaving the theater. I was like, "What the hell happened? Like, like I I don't I don't get it. Like it jumped too much. Mm-hmm. I like I never I didn't feel connected with any of the characters really. Mm-hmm. It's just like it was it was just a hard movie for me to like watch and get connected to. Did you like it? No. Hmm. Did you like it when we watched it this time? Slightly more. All right. Because I'm now more capable of following a rougher story. Yeah. But I was like, I still don't feel connected to any of the characters, and I still just made hovercraft sex jokes the entire time. <laughs> I did. Plus, plus Rorschach's imaginary friend Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan created an imaginary friend for Rorschach. And then he's talking to you the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So. And- and he got included in a hovercraft sex joke as well. <laughs> oh, nice. Combining the two. I know. What's this on the windshield? Uh, it, it's nothing. Uh, it, it looks like cum. All right, yeah, we, we had sex before the jailbreak. What? And after. What? You were asleep in the back. Did you do it in front of Harvey? Who is Harvey? Harvey, six-foot-tall rabbit. He's <laughs> my friend. <laughs> Harvey, tell him. So yeah, that was basically a joke. All right. Uh, so you, so yeah, you would basically, so you would say it's not a good movie. Were I they, I didn't want to watch it a second time, and I will not watch it a third time. Okay. Were there well, parts there of it, it that is. you liked though? The hovercraft sex. <laughs> you sure liked that. All right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Right, that what actually about the is. Ending though. Yeah. What did you think of the ending? Uh. I. I don't. I don't really know what to think of it. Like, does it make sense? Like, yeah. Now that I see it again, it makes sense. But again, just like, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not a fan of the movie as a whole. Okay. Well. Okay. Um, so while we're on the ending, I yeah. do want to say, reading the graphic novel, that ending blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like it is, I, I think it's one of the greatest endings to any story ever. It's an insane ending. And I don't know how I feel about the movie. It makes sense. I think I read something somewhere that said it doesn't make sense, but I can't remember why. I think for the way they did the movie, the movie's ending works better than the original comic book ending yeah because it the comic book ending is very much a comic book ending yeah of a giant octopus falls on new york a giant it's a giant (laughs) it's a giant psychic like octopus space monster oh my god that vite the the villain created Instead of making the Dr. Manhattan machines. Yeah, that was straight. That was strictly for the movie. 
Okay, I like the way the movie did it better. Yeah, and I, there was something I read where it didn't make sense. Like, someone was arguing that it didn't make sense. I can't remember why, but the the book one, it still made sense in the book, other than it being a a giant psychic squid that killed like three million, million people, people in New York. Yeah, whatever. It makes sense of like we're being attacked by aliens. Let's unite as a world. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, but that ending, it's just like, okay, you can't, like the whole book, you don't really know who the villain is. Right. And then it turns out, twist, one of the heroes is the villain. Okay, that's that's a normal twist, whatever. He's doing it for what he thinks is good. Okay, that's normal. He kills a bunch of people for the greater good. Okay, that's normal. But then he gets away with it. And you right. understand why he gets away with it. And maybe sort of in your heart, you agree with him. Right. That's that's one thing that the comic book did really well that the movie did not do was they made it. Ozymandias was sympathetic as a character. like, And I think the best thing that they did with that was he showed that that doubt and that sense of a little bit of remorse at the end because he's yeah. like john i did the right thing right and and dr right. manhattan's just like no. what's it matter in the end nothing ends yeah he and was and then he's like by the way i'm leaving this galaxy deuces and he's like but wait did i do the right thing and then he no. just walks out <laughs> yeah so i i don't mind the movie ending I understand that for a movie for the general public, you cannot have a giant psychic squid fall on New York and explode. Right, because then they'd also have to include the whole story about how he created the giant psychic squid. Well, even besides that, like, nobody's going to walk out of that movie liking the ending. Right. Because it's a giant psychic squid that falls on (laughs) New York and explodes and kills a bunch of people. You just don't do that for a movie. Uh, that would have been very uh, wild, wild west of them. Ex- exactly, wild, and wild look west. at how well that movie did. Wild, so wild, uh, it was awesome. The wild, wild west. Shut up. The wild, wild west. I used to live downtown. All right, we're not doing this. <laughs> uh, so the so the movie ending works in that sense of it's still an outside threat. <clears throat> that has to bring the world together right and honestly like the movie ending makes more sense in context than the comic book ending because the world's like uh we all know how big of a threat dr manhattan can be we've been seen he ended the vietnam war he is this and that he destroyed all of these cities like we know he's immensely powerful and we have no idea how to defeat him so it makes sense to like come together whereas the giant alien squid thingy is just kind of like uh there might be more of them out there we're not really sure yeah we didn't see this coming at all but let's just go ahead and prep all of our nukes so that if another alien threat comes, we can just launch nukes into space. 
Yeah, so I so there there are problems with both of them. Where there is so with the comic one there is that one of yeah. there's not going to be any more aliens. So eventually the world's going to go back into chaos. Um but then with the movie one, I think I remembered what what I read now. It was even if Dr. Manhattan attacked all of these cities, why would the nations want to form together to fight an unstoppable man? Like, there's no goal. Right. So it's, it's like, you know, like New York gets attacked, Tokyo gets attacked by the nuclear man who cannot be stopped. What is having peace and joining together going to do? Like they have, right. like the nations still have no motivation to stop threatening each other. They just think, oh, he attacked everybody and now he's gone. So it's still kind of the but same dilemma. The movie does not establish that that he leaves. Yeah, no, he does. Well, yeah, he does, but the movie doesn't really establish it. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he said he's leaving. The galaxy. He tells Laurie that he's leaving. Well, yeah. He says... Mr. Dr. Manhattan says that he's leaving. Yeah. But the movie itself, like, never really addresses that he has left. But Plus, still, the world, the world doesn't know that he's left. Yeah. Like, well, they would realize... No they would realize that he's gone the same way they would realize there's no longer an alien threat. Or would they? But at least in the movies, you know, Vite would have to go through a shitload of work to create another alien space monster. But he already knows how to replicate Dr. Manhattan's powers. So if he needs to convince people that Dr. Manhattan's still around, he can, he just, can ki- just kill 3 million more people. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, he killed 15 million in the movie. So oh. three million's nothing. Yeah. That's so, a slow day at the office. Yeah. Yeah. So Easy. they both have their, Strengths and weaknesses. Yes. Yeah. So, so the movie as a whole, as an adaptation, I'd say it's pretty good. In the, if you in the sense I'd of, I'd say it's the best film adaptation they could manage. Yeah, they I definitely did their best. But it's definitely Especially not the whole Zack thing. Snyder. And it's it's basically yeah. like if you have, you really have to have read the graphic novel in order to appreciate it as we can is evidenced by this podcast right now. <laughs> right. That Dylan does not like it. And me and you, Dan are kind of like, all right, yeah, it's good. It's uh, not something that I would be like, you know what? I really want to watch the Watchmen. Yeah, exactly. But in, in an event where I need to talk about it or, or something like that. Like I watched it a few years ago just because someone brought it up and I was like, you know what? I haven't watched that since it was in the theaters. I should watch it again. Refresh my memory. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I enjoyed it. And yeah, but you basically have to go into it thinking, okay, this is only going to be part of a whole story. You have to go into it thinking, all right, this is a Zack Snyder film. That too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, so it's a, it is a true, near-perfect adaptation of the parts that it adapts. Yes. That's 
Well, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Near perfect adaptation of the parts that it chose to adapt. Yeah. So like there are there are shots that are just straight from the comic. Like his when Dr. Manhattan goes to Mars and builds that giant thing. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And yeah, that's and then <clears throat> there's whenever uh Night Owl visits Hollis Mason and leaves and there's that shot of the auto repair on the fence like that's a direct right just from the pages there's a lot of them of where it's exactly from the pages just up onto the screen and so like the that, exchange when night owl and rorschach go to confront ozymandias that is almost entirely frame for frame what happened in the comics yeah which is incredible yeah it's it's amazing. Just all, yeah. So all of it, like Zack Snyder is not a good director, but what he does, what he does good, he does great. Yes. And that is take things that already exist and direct, directly adapt them. Like 300 is a great movie because he took a piece of work that already existed and took it exactly to the screen. Right. The parts of Watchmen that he did are great that he took directly to the screen. Batman v Superman, he did all on his own and it's terrible. But we're not <laughs> going to get into that again. Um, but it definitely... It, Watchmen is definitely a Zack Snyder film. And I think if somebody else had directed it, they could have cut an hour off of it because the whole movie would not have been in slow motion. <laughs> but I think... I think he did that because he was just trying to say, like, look, look at how cool this is. It's right from the page. Look at how amazing. Basically, basically what it was was every frame of the comic was in slow motion. And then the parts that, you know, your brain fills in between frames of the Mm -hmm. comic book was in fast motion until you get to the next frame of the comic. Um. So, Austin, here we are eight years after it came out. What would you rate this film? See, I don't... We have two... We ha, I have two very distinct opinions. Where, as a standalone movie, I think it's a four. As an adaptation... I guess I have three opinions. Standalone, it's a four. Adaptation, it's a six. But then the parts that it did adapt, it's a nine. See, um, I give it a six and a half. Just straight up six and a half um, for myself watching it. Because... There's a lot of parts that I really enjoy, but there's a lot of parts that I just don't care. And a lot of the parts that I just don't care is the the overindulgence in the comedian flashbacks, which I get, but I th- yeah. I just think they were too much. See, the thing is that the thing with the movie is it it plays like the comic book. So like mm-hmm. every 15 minutes, it's a new comic, which is like, it's, 
it's very evident where like the first 15 minutes it's Rorschach and Rorschach's journal. Mm-hmm. The, the second 15 minutes, it's a flashback to the original Minutemen. And then like, you know, everybody, everybody gets their 15 minutes. Right. So it's like Rorschach gets it at the beginning. Then the Minutemen get it. And then Dr. Manhattan gets it on Mars. And then Night Owl gets his. So like, it's not, a coherent through line story. It is a comic book in the sense that it's several different comics pieced together throughout the movie. Right. Which is why I am very excited for the HBO series. Hey, Oh, nice segue. <clears throat> also a little nervous of what they're going to do with it because yeah. the graphic novel on its own is perfect for just a uh, HBO likes 10 episodes. They could probably cut the graphic. They could probably cut it to 10 episodes. Um, yeah, maybe two seasons of 10 episodes. It is, but it is perfect for HBO. Yes. It's dark. It's gritty. It is episodic. (laughs) The problem is DC started doing before Watchmen which I have not read any of them. Oh, yeah. And they also now are tying in to the overall DC Comics universe now, which the TV show probably is not going to adapt at all. But so I'm a little worried about the format that HBO is going to do because I want that direct adaptation that Zack Snyder tried to do, I want that in TV form. But I'm afraid that they're going to incorporate the before Watchmen stuff in a way that I don't like. Right. Because, like, if you do it chronological, then the whole story's out of whack. So, right. like, and that's something that I, that I heard on, uh, <clears throat> I think it was the Weekly Planet when they talked about it. Um, they were like, yeah, but how are they going to do it? Because if you do it chronologically, are they going to start the series with the original Minutemen and go through them and come into the present? Or how are they going to do that? <laughs> right. Because, like, where do you put before Watchmen? Right. Because that's, in, that's intended for people that have read the graphic novel. But, like, with a television series, you can't go out and buy, you know, like four different issues and then read them all right then. Right. Like you have to wait every week. So like, do the, do they filter before Watchmen stuff into the overall narrative? Like, so, so like, let's say it goes five seasons. Do they stretch the graphic novel out to five seasons and insert? I don't think you could. Well, if you, but then if you insert, before Watchmen stuff into because they have flashbacks throughout the graphic novel. Yeah. So if they just include before Watchmen as flashbacks, mm. I think that could probably work because you like, you don't want to jump the gun on the ending. No. Yeah. Of, of the graphic novel, like the ending of the graphic novel has to be the season finale or the penultimate or whatever it is. Series. Sorry. The series, series finale. Yeah, yeah. The series finale or the penultimate of the series. <clears throat> And so, but you also really need to start 
start the series with the comedian's death because that's what prompts the whole story is Ozymandias kills the comedian because he knew too much. And then the whole mystery is, okay, there's a mass killer who watches the Watchmen. So here's, here's a possible way for them to do it. The first episode follows, sorry, the first episode is all about the first Minutemen and features the comedian a lot. And then you end the first episode with the comedian's death because that kicks that kicks the whole series off into that. So your first episode will establish your universe. You've got these superheroes and yeah. And one of them's the comedian and then you flash forward and someone murders him. Yeah, that would work. I'm just opening reading the first few pages. Mhm. Yeah, I can yeah. That would work cuz then that would be the good punch at the end of the this opening episode. Right. It's a hook that people are like, "Oh, yeah. They killed the guy. I thought that was the main character and they killed him." Oh, uh, right, yeah. And, and then, then you jump like, to the th- th- Who's the main character now? HBO doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Ned Stark doesn't die at the end of season one. No. Nah. Yeah, and then you jump to the <laughs> then you jump to the modern day or not modern day modern current. Well, let's call it current day in the comic. Yeah. Of what is it? The eight eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah, eighty four, eighty five. It starts in like December of eighty four or something like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so then you jump to that, and then you just jump back and forth, and if they incorporate it before Watchmen, whatever, it's just more flashbacks and more story to draw to drag it out. Yeah. But anyway, uh, who... You listen in HBO? I told you how to run the show. Yeah, listen to the experts. Give me a job. Um, so is it Lindelof? <laughs> is that his name? Uh, who? Some. It's, he did Lost... And then yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also done. That sounds right. Lindelof. Uh, the leftovers, which yes. I have not watched, but I've heard nothing but heard good things about good. it. Yeah. So it is in very capable, good hands. So I am very excited about it. It has started pre-production. So we'll see what news comes out about that. Um, yes. Oh, one thing I did want to say, it in the comics. They're never called the Watchmen. Right, yeah. But in the movie, the they are. The comic is the Watchmen, but they're never actually called the Watchmen in the comic. Yeah, it's based off of the phrase, the, Who the Watchmen. Yeah, so it's like we are, the normal people are watched by the Watchmen, like the protectors. Right. But then who watches the Watchmen? And it's yes. because like there's this mask killer, so like who's going to protect the masks? And so that's right. what it's based off of. Where in the movie, they straight up just called themselves the Watchmen. Right. Which was the, the, first, s- the first heroes were the Minutemen. And yeah. then instead of being the new Minutemen, they called themselves the Watchmen. Right, yeah. Which I'm fine with. It's, yeah. I mean, for the movie, you kind of got to do that. Yeah, because otherwise audiences would be like, 
Why is it called the Watchmen? Yeah, who are the Watchmen? They weren't the Watchmen. Yeah. Because it wasn't copyrighted yet. Yeah. Sure. I felt Uh, I needed to have input. I hadn't talked in a while. That's all right. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't think I have... have plenty to talk about here soon. Yay. I don't think I have much more to say. Um... Yeah, they, you know what? HBO has managed to do a really good job with most of their properties for the past like ten years, so I'm I'm confident in their ability to handle the Watchmen. I am too, and the good thing is Watchmen is already finished, so they don't have to make up their own stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So yeah, I am I am cautiously optimistic about it. But I'll definitely watch it. So there we go. All right. That's all I have to say. That's all I got to say about that. And with that, we're gonna move into sports. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about the bears. No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we have now completed the first quarter of the NFL season. Oh, my. And the Bears are sitting at a robust 1-3. and three. Hey, that is one game better than expected. I actually expect them to go 1-3 and three through the first four games, but I thought they would beat Tampa Bay, not Pittsburgh. You're a madman. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought Pittsburgh was a much better offensive team than what they showed. Which well, is why Pittsburgh. I thought they'd be 0-4. Yeah, but Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh plays to their competition, though. That, that, and that's the story of them when they're on the road. They play down to their competition. Yeah. So, and they they gave the Bears a chance to come back in it, and the Bears actually responded and took it. So Didn't Pittsburgh drop, like, three interceptions? I don't know. I wasn't able to watch the game because I was actually playing in a golf outing. Oh, right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read that they dropped two or three should-have-been interceptions off of Glennon. Probably seeing how Glenn, Glennon has thrown this year. He's a turd. He's a oh, big, God. big, brown, dirty turd. So the Bears uh, played on Thursday night. <clears throat> sure did. And they lost 35-14 to to the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, which is no- nothing new. If you're a recent Bears fan. Nothing new in yeah. the past 20 years. No. No. The well, best thing new, about... Especially in the last five. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. The best thing about Thursday Night Football <laughs> was listening to Romo Stradamus. <laughs> Dude, it was amazing listening to him. Like, I uh, have the NFL Mobile on my phone, and since I have it through Verizon, Verizon lets me watch, like, Thursday and Monday Night Games for free. Ooh. Yeah. So I was able to watch that and just listening to him. It's like, God, he knows exactly what's going to happen. It sounds like he's constantly yelling, but yeah, he's he's he called the touchdown pass to was it Kendall Wright that fade? Yeah, he calls it. He just goes, you know. So Glennon seen their Green Bay is bringing a lot of pressure. Glennon sees that. So right here, the best bet right now is going to be a a fade to Kendall Wright out to the outside of the end zone. All right, well, here's yeah. the snap. All right, and there's the fade. <laughs> well, and he also called the uh, touchdown pass to Jordy Nelson after the. Penalty on uh, Danny Trevathan. That was not the wide open one, was it? That was not the wide open okay, one. Okay, I was going to say he, everyone called that. But he said since it was 
since it was on like the three or four yard line, uh-huh. they were going to fake the run, then have Rodgers bootleg it out to give him some time. And then he was probably going to find Jordy Nelson in the front corner. And sure <laughs> oh, enough, yeah. he bootlegs and finds Jordy <clears throat> Nelson in the front corner of the end zone. Jeez. I do remember that, yeah. They, ran, they just ran a pick play, and you have Rodgers bootleg, so you can give him some time. And then not only that, but they have Randall Cobb as, like, the up back mm-hmm. in the backfield. Yeah. So that if anyone does get through, he can at least throw them off yeah. and give Rodgers a couple extra seconds, which he didn't really need. But Nope. Yeah. So the Bears right now just uh, overall from what I've seen, the offense uh, does not look good if they are not able to run the ball efficiently. Well, when no. you don't have any real – one like top wide receiver talent. Kendall Wright is is like low tier wide receiver too. He's he's a slot receiver on pretty much every any other roster. Yeah, he's your three or four guy. Yeah, Marcus yeah. Wheaton is uh, actually a pretty good number two, but he's more deep threat than anything. Yeah, the problem right now with the Bears is the same problem they had last year. There's just so many injuries. Ugh. Yeah. They are getting just destroyed right now. I mean, we're not at 18 starting players on the injury list yet, but... True. But it's... I mean, it's already started off rough with injuries. You have Cam Meredith go down. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin White goes down, which we didn't know what he was going to be this year, but you still were hoping for the best from him. Yeah. Uh, not anymore. You, no, not anymore. Now you're just hoping they can get rid of him. And yeah. open up a roster spot for someone else. And you hope they can either draft somebody or pick somebody up in the offseason. But yeah. we'll get there eventually. <clears throat> and let's see. Um, Thursday night was the first time you had both Josh Sitton and Kyle Long starting on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think I think Thursday was the first time you have your you had your all five of your starting offensive linemen at the same time. And you know what? They gave Glennon a lot of time in the pocket. They did. They'd, he routinely had five <clears throat> clean seconds in the pocket. And then he would throw the ball three feet over his receiver's head, and it would go right to HaHa Clinton Dix. Yeah, God, that was ridiculous. Also, also, I started laughing on one of the interceptions because Romo was just yelling Dix. He's like, and Dix has it. Dix is running. Dix is trying to find space. Like, he knows what he's saying. He knows how funny that name is. He's like, and he's like, oh, look at Dix. <laughs> like, like, come on, Tony. That one wasn't even subtle. That's uh, great. So, like, I was like, okay, that's, like, the best part of this game right now. Uh, yeah. All right. Actually, Can I tell you why I... I was confident the Bears would lose to Tampa Bay. Why? Because Mike Glennon played for Tampa Bay. The defense knew Mike Glennon. The defense is like, oh, we're not that concerned. They only have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. If we can stop that, prove it. Well, here's the thing. The defense put eight men in the box against the guy that they used to see every day in practice. Yeah. That shows you how much they think of Mike Lennon. They think nothing of him. They know that he's not going to be able to push the ball downfield. They put eight men in the box and said, try and throw downfield on us. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to say, well, that's because they don't have any good receivers. Like, it shouldn't matter. There's when there's eight men in the box, you should be able to find open receivers. If you have eight men in the box and you have two receivers, that's one-on-one matchups on the outside. You should be able to... To find something. And then you put in a two tight end set. Look at that. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. But here we are. So, I guess I'll open the floor to you guys. Do you have any questions that you would like me to answer? 
Well, I would like to say that I was one person who was actually probably happy about the lightning storm delay because uh, this was one of two Bears games that I will actually be able to watch. The second one being next week on Monday night against the Vikings. Yeah. And I had a softball game at 6.30, which out here, Thursday night football comes on at 5.30. Right. So I was actually able to win my softball game and then get home for the entire second half. Nice. Which I didn't watch the entire second half because they sucked. But it was at least nice to watch some Bears football, regardless of how good or terrible they are. That's true. Dan, Dan, I think you had a... Why did the Bears waste the money on Glenn? (laughs) I'm starting to ask myself this question more and more often. Um, Because it seems to me, if you were going to have a quarterback that was either going to turn the ball over a bunch of times, or that wasn't going to be able to to work work the the ball, um, you could have either kept Jay Cutler for the money you were getting because it's about the same amount of money that Glenn is getting this year. Mm-hmm. Or you could have kept Brian Hoyer, which would have been a much cheaper option, and you would have gotten basically the same kind of player only without the turnovers. Because Hoyer, Hoyer actually makes smarter decisions. Yeah. he's. I mean, he doesn't have as strong an arm as Glenn does, but Glenn's not showing he that he makes, has a strong arm. And that's why Hoyer makes smarter decisions, because he's not like, oh, I have a cannon for an arm. I'll just force this pass in there. No, and but like every time Glennon throws, it's a check down. I saw him go downfield twice yeah. against Green Bay, and one, Josh Bellamy should have come up with the catch at the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. And the other one was a completion to Zach Miller that he turned it into a 29-yard game. Yeah, he did. I saw that catch and run. That was nice. I got excited at that. Like, Romo I didn't think was, I was like, gonna get ex- oh, look at him go. He's on the move. I was like, oh, my God, a white guy's fast. <laughs> Miller looked really fast. He that actually does have pretty good wheels. It's just he doesn't always get that chance to be out in the open. Yeah. But... <clears throat> no, when Glennon actually started working the ball downfield a little bit, it worked, but then he would just airmail one. Yeah. And it would go right to a defender. Like it would go right to Dix. <laughs> <laughs> I still want Green Bay to have another safety with the last name Balls. It's Dix and Balls. That'd be great. That would be. So the I mean the big question, which was gonna get brought up anyway, was when does Chubisky come in? I mean, my personal opinion, he's the starter against Minnesota on Monday night because you now have 11 days to get him ready. You you have to you basically have tonight or well, you have Friday, you have Friday and Saturday night to study game film, Sunday night to get him prepped for the next game. Uh, Monday it'll probably be a day off, but he can still watch film or go through playbooks, stuff like that take some practice reps, or they have the uh, VR room where they can run some simulations for him. Mm -hmm. And then practice will probably start on Wednesday. And then you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, I don't know if they'll travel on Saturday or Sunday. But either way, like, you still have... Probably Sunday. It's not that I would far. Say, I would say Sunday. Because, yeah, it is Minnesota. Or actually, it's that game at home. 
Uh, we were just at Lambo, so it's probably at home. Oh, so you don't even have a travel day. So yeah, you've got a bunch of days to practice and get work in. This is the time to get them to start. Like you're, I didn't want them to start against Green Bay because it's a short week. Yeah. And, and sure. it's Green Bay. And it's Green Bay, and they were going to bring a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. Which, I mean, Minnesota will probably do the same thing. Here's, here's my opinion. Over these 11 days, split reps between Glennon and Trubisky on the, on the first team. You let no. Glennon have the start against Minnesota because Minnesota has a good secondary. And then you start Trubisky against the really shitty Ravens. Here's here's my thing though with that. It's like mm-hmm. if you're gonna get eventually give him the reins, just give it to him now. Like and then you can't go back from him. Like there's no right, going yeah. back to Glennon unless Trubisky gets hurt. Right. There's there's no going once you put him in, like that's it. You're stuck with him for the rest of the once year. Once you put him in, there's no pulling him out. Exactly. There's yeah, because yeah. if you split reps, nobody wins. Because then Glennon thinks that he's not the starter. And then if you have him start, then he's not gonna he's not gonna play like a starter because he knows that he's he done. He doesn't play like a starter now. No, he doesn't. I know. So you're do you think how worse he's gonna play? Get? You can't split reps in practice though, because then if you're giving Glennon reps with the first team, that's reps you're giving you're taking away from Trubisky yeah. or vice versa. Neither one of them's gonna be prepared going into the game against Minnesota, which now that I'm saying it is probably the most likely thing that John Fox is gonna do because he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. So Dylan, well, they, actually, I, they actually brought it up uh, in the game the other night. John Fox had a similar situation when he was in Denver, when he had a quarterback by the name of Tim Tebow, hmm. who is now an outfielder for the New York Mets organization. <laughs> yeah. But it was the same thing. People were saying, "Oh, you need to put Tebow in," and he put him in after the sixth game of the year mm-hmm. and just rode him for the rest of the season. And they ended up making the playoffs. Like they were one in five. And they ended oh, up making. They were they, they were one and five. They ended up making the playoffs, and then Tebow won that playoff game against Pittsburgh. Ah, Pittsburgh! So apparently, John Fox has a good history of beating Pittsburgh when he has no <laughs> business beating Pittsburgh. Yeah! Wow. So I think this could be a similar situation where, I'm, and I'm not saying the Bears are going to make playoffs. I still don't think that playoffs. I don't don't talk about playoffs. I don't think this is a thing because you have to beat Green Bay and Again. Detroit. And the Vikings. Yeah. I think the Vikings are going to collapse. They always have a collapse somewhere in the middle of the year where they end up not making it, and then Detroit's going to sneak in. I don't know. Or Detroit you're... had a chance to sneak in last year, and they were like, oh, shit, we're the Lions. <laughs> they made the playoffs last year. Did they? Yeah, they just they lost it. the first game. Oh, right. Right, 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 right. So, Dylan, I understand what you're saying. I f- fully agree with the 11 days, get Trubisky ready for Minnesota. But I also think that we should not get selfish and uh, wait until the bye week because I, I just don't want to rush Trubisky. Like, the Bears have had so many quarterback problems. We have a huge potential in this kid. Let's not... Like, let's not jump the gun here. Like, we're doing terrible. We knew we were going to be terrible. That is let's true. Let's just let Glennon be terrible until the bye week and then take the full two weeks to prepare for the second half. Well, my thing with that, though, is here's a, here's a couple things to go with that. One, 
you owe something to Bears fans right now. Like they have seen just god awful football the last three years. And yes, and it's the potential last, last of four Trubisky. Years. Like you want to see that Trubisky's got something against an NFL defense. We did the preseason. That's not a good measuring stick though, because he went up against a lot of second and third team guys. True. He did get some reps with the ones, really well. but it was in the third preseason game where not a lot of first team players are playing. A, well, fourth. No, four, yeah, fourth game. game. Fourth game, sorry. Fourth game where not a lot of first string guys are playing that far into the game. So it's hard to get a good measuring stick on that. Like, yes, he looked good. I liked what I saw personally out of him. But I just, I feel like you've now seen what you're getting out of Glennon for the rest of the year. Now, if you're. Truly in like tank mode where you want to get another good top five pick, mm-hmm. then yeah, you'll stick with Glennon and keep losing and keep sucking, but you're going to anger your fan base in the process because you kept saying, We're not rebuilding, we're reloading. That's complete crap, then, if you start Glennon. If you don't start Trubisky before the bye week, then you're committing to sucking and you need to just admit that. Which, it's okay to do that. Theo Epstein did that for the Cubs. When he got hired, he said, we're going to suck for the first two years. The third and fourth years, we're going to be okay. And then the fifth year, we're going to compete for a World Series. Instead, what happened was they sucked for two years. They were good for the third. And the fourth year, they won a World Series. You're ahead of schedule. Ooh, yeah. And now we're back in the playoffs again. It's awesome. Now but- you're on the downhill slide. You. No, that's St. Louis. No, okay, but still, like, <clears throat> five games into the season, I mean, I think it's too early. But look at other teams with their rookie quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson's now starting. Deshaun Kaiser was named the starter at the beginning of the year. But they have real weapons. They do have real weapons on offense. You it's different what, than the Bears. You got to see what the kid has. If, if Mitch Trubisky can do something with this ragtag group of receivers... Doesn't that just show how good he can be? I, I would. Plus you're hearing praise from all kinds of coaches, former players, current players. I would go by what Aaron Rodgers said, in which he said, "You know, I sat behind Brett Favre for three years." Yeah, but he sat behind Brett Favre, not Mike Glennon. Yeah, but still, you can learn on the sideline. Yeah, you can, but how much is Mitch Trubisky going to learn behind Glennon? It's not about it, who you're watching play every it's time. It's a little bit about you it. You can learn from people's mistakes. Yes, you can. <clears throat> but I'm Mitch but Trubisky that, can be sitting on the sideline looking at Glennon playing and go and going, "Ooh, throw there, throw there. No, not there. What are you doing?" I guarantee Trubisky a few times was like, "I would have thrown to that guy cuz he was wide <laughs> open." Probably. Oh. But like that's always going to be my argument with that whole sitting him thing. Like, I understood it. Sit him for a year if Glennon's going to play at least decently, but he's not. Like, But you Aaron, can't rush the kid. I'm not, say, I'm not saying rush him, but eventually I have to see what saying he, rush him. <laughs> eventually you have to see what he's got. Like, I don't... I just... Uh, I'm, eventually, really, yes. Really, I'm just tired of watching Mike Glennon play because... If honestly, if you wanted this many turnovers, you could have kept Jay Cutler and at least had a guy that was going to work the ball downfield and take some chances. Yeah. Then just don't watch until Trubisky starts. I don't watch until after the bye week. I 
I just Minnesota's secondary is too good to put him in with the receivers he has. I mean, what what do you want? You want him to go up against teams that he's never going to throw an interception against? I want him to go he's up against go... the Ravens, who have playmakers, but not a stellar defense. He's going to throw interceptions. That's part of being a rookie yeah, quarterback. Probably. That's part of being a rookie quarterback. You got to do it. You don't got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Let him Dude, face Minnesota in the back half not, of the season. Not everyone he's is, played four games before that. Not everyone is Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott where they throw very few interceptions as rookies. Yeah, Dak threw like three. Four or five, I think. But still. Still very few. Yeah. <clears throat> but those guys are also, I don't know. Those guys also had better Look, quarterbacks to watch. Those guys also learning. had weapons on offense. I mean, I mean Dak had... Romo, who is now proving to be like a psychic of football. <laughs> yeah. Carson Wentz like, had Sam Bradford before he got traded to Minnesota, which you say what you want about Sam Bradford. He's still a very smart quarterback. Yeah, very smart. Like, yeah. Glennon's not even proving to be smart. It's true. I, I will just look, I will look, still look, say, look. like, you could have picked someone okay. better to put in front of Trubisky. Absolutely. And have him learn from Obviously, him. You yes. You could have kept Brian Hoyer. Yes, I think Hoyer is at least capable of teaching a younger guy. I think Glennon came in and thought, this is my team. I'm not, I wasn't planning on teaching anybody. I think, like, I'm with a lot of people that think there's a little bit of resentment. Absolutely. Where he doesn't want to help. And I think that's kind of hampered Trubisky's development a little bit. Because Glennon doesn't want to hand him the job. Right. Because Glennon yeah. already had to do that in Tampa Bay. He didn't have to. Jameis just flat out destroyed him. Well, right. There was no, there was no competition. <clears throat> there was you suck, get on the bench, Jameis, you're in. But that's what I'm saying. He already had this happen, and he admitted he was surprised when the Bears took a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, because they probably people told asked, him they weren't going to. Yeah, people asked him, and he was like, "Uh, that was uh, that was surprising." And everyone was like, oh, man, he had no idea they were going to pick a quarterback that high or trade up to take a quarterback. Yeah, true. But they had, Okay, look. But they had, they, were, is, they were trying to keep it under wraps. Let him get his one. word in. Okay, He's been trying to say this for four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I Just the final note for me. I want to see Trubisky just as bad as you. I don't think you do. And as everybody else. And if there were no ramifications, put the kid in tomorrow. But I think that the development that he can get on the bench and not getting thrown into against the Vikings in game five of the season and sticking to a plan. Like the Bears had a plan and that was for Trubisky to sit behind Glennon so he can learn. No, Custer had a plan too. Yeah, no, I don't the Cubs had a plan. And it worked yeah. out, so trust the plan. That, that plan was made by Theo Epstein, who's a fucking genius. This was made by... Ryan Pace, who Ryan is Pace. the first-time GM and is unproven. He's doing fine. I just think it's too early. It's only game five. Yes, I understand there are 11 days between Thursday night and Monday night. That is a great gap. Maybe if Glennon was absolute shit, then Which yes. He but he is doing okay enough that Trubisky can sit until the bye week. That is my final word. I'm sticking to it. 
All right, here's... Well, everyone's entitled the to their floor. own opinions, and your opinion is wrong. Here's the Bears' schedule <laughs> until the bye week. They've got the Vikings, really good secondary. The Ravens, crap. The Panthers, kind of crap. The Saints, crap. And that, then that you have a, a bye week. Trubisky starts is against the Saints because their secondary is god-awful. But then, but then you with the bye week because I just don't want him to come out of the bye week and face the Packers because the Packers, <laughs> true. the Packers' history of having a bye week and then playing the Bears, you get fucking destroyed. That's true. You like the Packers were already prepping for the Bears while they were prepping for Cincinnati. Well, I mean that's a pretty easy thing to do, Cincinnati, and then it was the Bears. Yeah, but they almost lost to Cincinnati. Yeah, they almost did because they, they were prepping for the Bears. It's just. I, I, you know what, Dylan? I, I, I just feel like if the number, I, I just feel like if two guys that were drafted way after the number two overall pick are deemed ready enough to be starters, so's Trubisky. Watson was drafted like number twelve. Twelve, yeah. Yeah, in terms it's of draft picks, it's way after. after. <clears throat> I mean, Deshaun like, Kaiser Dylan, was drafted honestly, in the second round, yeah. so that's way yeah. after. I honestly hope you're right. Like. I would love it if you were right. I would love it if I was right, too. I just don't know if it's the right way to go. And if it happens, honestly, if it happens, I will be on board. I'm going on record right now and saying it's Mitch time. All right. I'm I'm on board with uh, Matt Spiegel and Danny Parkins of 670 to score, and they're actually creating a Mitch Trubisky parody album. (laughs) They are creating parody songs all about Mitch Trubisky. They have three songs already. I need to <laughs> listen to them all because they sound – it's just – I love the idea, and it seems like it's amazing. I'm going all on right, record and well, saying, wait until the Ravens get through five horrible Glennon starts. Yeah, but if you go with the Ravens and you're doing it on a short week. It's not that short yeah. of a week. It's shorter than it would be against the Vikings. Yeah, I guess. All right, well, let's wrap this up, you guys. Wrap you up. Set. All right. He's going to put a condom on you. Your whole body, not just your dicks. He's going to wrap him up like Adrian Amos wrapped up Martellus Bennett last night. (laughs) That was a solid tackle. It was. Too bad they fucking wasted it. All right, well. Austin, (laughs) where can they reach us? They can't reach Does us. Does it matter? Yes, yeah. it matters. We're on hiatus. What if they want to protest our hiatus? They don't. I don't. What if care. they do? They didn't want to write to us when we were <clears throat> doing shit. Well, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at the Shakedown Pod. No, you can't. You can find us at Gmail. No, you can't. At the Shakedown Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us at our jobs. You can find us on the website. Uh, darknebulaentertainment.com underneath the shakedown tab where you can find all 30 episodes I mean if you want and a bonus episode what bonus episode there was some bonus episode where we said sorry we're not doing an episode this week oh right yeah (laughs) (laughs) some bonus content in there You you can also find me at McDonald's in about a half hour Oh, all right. Well, just throwing that out there. It's too late for Fair that enough. because you're listening you to this in the future. <laughs> to be fair, so, they can still find me about <laughs> half hour, <laughs> depending on when they listen to it. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. 
signing off for the last time for a while, possibly ever, but for a while, uh, I'm your host, Dan Schweizer. I was waiting for Austin, I'm Austin to, Stevens. I was waiting for Austin <laughs> to do the back and forth about who is the real host. I was waiting for you, Dylan. I thought you guys were going to have right, one start. last back and forth about who's the real host. I'm your real host, Dan Schweizer. I, I'm the real host. There, are you happy now? <laughs> kind of. I'm the real host, I Dan mean, Schweizer. I mean, I've never really been happy. Who are you, Dylan Webster? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Dylan Webster, your recurring character. Dylan Webster, the character doesn't give a shit. And this has been The Shakedown. Not doing jamming in your pee hole. You just said I could. <laughs> no, we're not doing jamming in your pee hole. Oh, God, I got to think of another one then. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He said an appropriate one. <clears throat> I had a good one that I thought of like two weeks ago. You should have written it down. Have you I... learned nothing over these 40 weeks of doing the podcast? Pretty much, yeah. <sighs> Not 40, it's like 36 weeks. <laughs> Either way. Technically, I haven't done it 36 weeks. I've missed some... We've still been doing it over the past 36 weeks. Giggity. <laughs> Yank it like you're starting a lawnmower. <laughs> it's the shakedown. <laughs> <laughs>